Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Anya Crinton, a writer at Gay Star News, and with me are my two co-hosts. Hi, I'm Hai Chen Bui, a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in D.C. And I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. So today, we're going to be doing our monthly millennial movie review of The Big Sick. I'm looking for Emily Gardner. She was checked in tonight. There's an infection. We put her in a medically induced coma. Coma. You should call her family. Thank you, Kamala. We're going to handle things from here. I think I'm just going to wait anyway. You guys broke up. I'm not sure why you're here. I'm just going to stay for a second. Is this seat? Okay. The Big Sick is written by Emily V. Gordon and Kumail Nanjani and is directed by Michael Showalter. And it stars Kumail Nanjani, Zoe Kazan, Holly Hunter, Ray Romano, and more. Uh, So it's the true story of Kumail Nanjani and Emily V. Gordon's uh, love story and and they eventually end up getting married. Um, And it's about a clash of cultures and a big sick. So I'm going to read the Wikipedia synopsis, or rather what Google has come up from the Wikipedia synopsis. Kumail is a Pakistani comic who meets an American graduate student named Emily at one of his stand-up shows. As their relationship blossoms, he soon becomes worried about what his traditional Muslim parents will think of her. When Emily suddenly comes down with an illness that leaves her in a coma, Kumail finds himself developing a bond with her deeply concerned mother and father. So the big sick is a surprising rom-com after we had kind of a uh, dead zone of rom-coms in the past couple years. We've kind of talked about this in our previous podcast. Yes, episode, one, of our, one of our, our, in our first year, we talked about uh, rom-coms. I think we, we called it the death of the rom-com. <laughs> Something like that. Or whatever happened to the rom-com. That was what it was. Right, whatever happened to the rom-com. Um, and it's also part of a, a new surge in great quality and diverse uh, movies of not only just, like, ethnicity, but also of story inside, like, the franchises and blockbusters uh, that we've seen in the past two months one and, um, and one month. And it's really exciting. We'll probably talk about that later. First, what are your guys' thoughts about The Big Sick? Anya, why don't you go first? I really liked it. Um, it was one of my most anticipated movies of the summer. Um, and I thought it was really refreshing and fun, um, and surprising. I, I don't think I loved it nearly as much as I thought I would, but I think I had also put my expectations, like, just absurdly high. Like, I expected, it was more on me than on the movie itself, but I was just like, this is gonna, like, blow everything out of the water, and I'm not gonna be able to stop talking about it. And instead, I just really, really enjoyed it, and that was kind of it, which is not bad. It's just, um, it didn't, it wasn't, it didn't stay with me the way I expected it to, I guess. Yeah, because it felt still like an indie rom-com more than the traditional rom-coms that you and I really like, Anya. Uh, It doesn't have that same sort of cheesiness, and it does have, like, a sense of authenticity and uh, earnestness. I'm going to use that word a lot lately. but um, We love that word. We also love just earnestness. It's the things. summer of earnestness. It is the summer of earnestness, surprisingly, even in Baby Driver, which was really fun. Um, but yeah, it still has that earnestness of the tr- traditional rom-com. It doesn't try to subvert it in any way. 
um, which I really liked. Willoughby, what are your thoughts? Uh, I really liked it. Like, I thought it was incredibly funny and also incredibly dramatic. I liked uh, Kumail's acting, especially, like, later into the movie when things get super complicated for him. Um, And I thought that Zoe Kazan was great. I've liked her and what she's done in the past, and I thought she really shined in this movie, too. Um, As much as she had a, you know, I mean, her role is kind of limited because for a good chunk of the movie, she's in a coma. We can talk about that. Um, And how, so, but what, what she brings to the table in the beginning and at the end, I really liked. There was an authenticity to her and like a down to earthness nature of her character and like matter of fact, like her character was very matter of factly. I like that. Um, And I think that, and I've, I think that her parents played by Ray Romano and Holly Hunter were great. Um, Like shout out to both of them for being just like great, like parents, like the, the moment when they walk into her apartment and they start looking at her things and, you know, it's, clear that they haven't been there in a while and it's like oh they're like looking at things that they gave her for christmas or for her birthday and they're like arguing over who gave what to who it's just like like those little character moments and you're like oh these people feel lived and real and i like that um and i thought it you know it was definitely not the traditional boy meets girl like romance or something you know it was very different and i like that because i mean not only the the like like HC like you said the diversity of like the ethnicities of the the people in the in the movie but also of story like it's not a it's a non-traditional rom-com but i think it still functions as a rom-com uh and you know there was and so much heart to it and you could tell that you know this is basically like a biopic for Kumail and Emily and it's interesting because it's like you know he plays he plays himself. He didn't even change his last name for the movie. He plays Kamel Nanjiani. And even though they changed Emily's last name from Emily Gordon to Emily Gardner, I think. So it's very interesting. And uh, But I liked it. I, re- I really enjoyed I thought it was super funny. Yeah, it was a lot funnier than I expected as well. I think because it was an Apatow production. Oh, I forgot to mention it was produced by Jed Apatow. Um, mm-hmm. And you can feel a lot of his sort of flair upon it. Uh, it's a so, movie about comics. <laughs> yeah, it's a movie about comics. It has a lot of, like, Apatow regulars. You're like, you can recognize a lot of those things. Um, and I think maybe that's why, like, it also didn't... I didn't completely fall in love with it because of the Apatow-ness. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Anya, it was... Um, I've noticed a lot of guys really like it. And it's that surprised me because it does feel like a more traditional rom-com, but I think because it has such an Apatowian comic flair that a lot of guys are suddenly like blown away with it. Like, wow, it's heartwarming, it's funny, it's sad. Um, and it was all those things. Um, I especially liked, even though it was more of an indie rom-com than anything, that it didn't fall to the tropes of indie rom-com by trying to make the characters too pathetic and like have the underpinning of depression and realism that a lot of the um, indie films try to make to sort of set themselves apart and make themselves more ironic and detached than the gooey 
traditional rom-coms and I was very happy that it was obviously very um very uh respectful of the rom-com genre so yeah and I think that goes back to Kumail as a writer he Mm -hmm. if you know him from like his stand-up he or just talking on podcasts he loves rom-coms like and he talks about that in the movie too like he so like this is almost like his love letter to rom-coms but with his like spin on it and i liked that he like they didn't turn his character into like a man child Mm -hmm. like there, there was no there was hardly any arrested development going on and it was very i like that you know he was he was a, obviously like a struggling comic like this is him before he made it big he's still like just doing small time like comic so- clubs and stuff so you could and you could tell that you know there he's like tr- you know struggling to make rent so he's also like an uber driver and so there's like but he's not like super stunted mm-hmm. which a lot of past rom-coms of the Apatow nature have put their their uh, characters in. I think, though, that it was Kumail's love of rom-coms that gave me the really high expectations and why the mm. film didn't meet all of them is that I wanted a little more Hugh Grant mm-hmm. in the film. Like, knowing that his favorite film of all time is Four Weddings and a Funeral, I kind of expected that charm to be there a little more. Um, and not that it can't be different. Not every rom-com should be, like, the 90s rom-coms um they have their downfalls as well and we should you know branch out and explore how rom-coms can be different and play with the genre um so i don't mind that it was different i felt like i had just kind of like fooled myself into thinking that it was going to be a little more um not traditional rom-com but just kind of have that charm of the sort of hugh grant like the zaniness of them yeah, like, I like, you know, they kept, like, the meet cute between Emily and Kumail. Like, it was, you know, very much a, like, scripted rom-com meet cute. Um, and their kind of, like, flirtiness and quirkiness as their relationship grows. Um, and I mean, I liked that it was different because I, I loved the focus on Kumail and her parents. I thought that was actually, honestly, the strongest part of the film. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I was like, oh man, Camille like loves rom coms and he loves Hugh Grant, and I was like, it's gonna be so great. And then it wasn't what I expected it to be, and I was like, okay. See, what I think it cool. was missing was a sort of tug on the heartstrings moment that you get in a lot of rom coms. It was focused more on the drama after the whole falling in love and the meet cute. So you have the initial meet cute, but you don't have that moment where you feel like butterflies in your stomach with the with a good rom com. I feel like Ani knows what I know. It's I what completely I mean, but like, agree. It's just like the awkward stuttering of like a Hugh Grant character falling over his feet or like, you know, the moment where the eyes meet or the hands accidentally brush. It doesn't, I feel like it doesn't want to fall, fall for exactly for like that trope. Like doesn't want to lean down to it, which I feel like is kind of the bro aspect of it. Well, yeah, I, I agree. Would, well, let me ask you this. If they kind of steered into those skids, would you have liked the movie more? Well, it, it would depend on how, like, we can't answer yeah. that because like, right. we don't know how he would have done it, but like, mm-hmm. I wanted more of that. Yeah. Like, I wanted to feel little, like, butterflies in my stomach, because that's why I love rom-coms. Like, even the less-than-great rom-coms, if they have the right cast, can do that to me. Like, 
one of my guilty pleasure rom-coms is Leap Year with Amy Adams and Matthew Good, which is not a good rom-com, but Amy Adams and Matthew Good have such great chemistry that even though the movie itself isn't very good, they're, like, moments when they, like, have to pretend to be married or they dance together. Like, I get little butterflies in my stomach because it's so such a rom-com and they're selling it so much. And I didn't get that from uh, Kumail and uh, Zoe. It's funny that you guys are both, like, on that side and then on this side, like, I'm kind of like, I liked it. You know, no, like, I, I liked, liked it too. It was just like, I, mean, I, I also liked, liked it. Well, I mean, yeah. like, I liked their meet cute and then, like, the montage of their relationship and how it progresses. Like, I think, I think they kind of avoided those traditional tropes and maybe I'm okay with it because I'm not super into rom-coms I mean, like you guys I would have been fine for a little shippy moment. This might yes. be the girl in me. I, I just wanted a one little shippy bit. moment. Like the, you know, okay, this is going to be a weird thing to pull out, but the one look that Vision and Scarlet Witch have in Avengers Age of Ultron spoke miles to me more than like the flirty meet cute did in The Big Sick. Yeah. And that just might be me <laughs> and like the trash shipper that I am. But that already formed the basis for a relationship I know they're going to explore in Infinity War. Did you see the poster? They're in each other's arms. It's going to be so great. <laughs> no, I, compl- I completely agree. Like, it's just like, it's funny how like a rom-com, you know, like it's about the whole relationship. But like, it's those little moments that really just like get you like all, you know, a little breathless and a little mm-hmm. excited. And Kumail and Zoe were, like, really cute, and I liked their banter, and I was laughing a lot, but I was laughing more than I was, like, feeling my heart, like, skip a beat. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want in a rom-com. And, you know, so I never had any of those moments in this film, which was a little sad. I think because I went in with with not, I wouldn't say no expectations, because I was expecting the movie to be good, but no romantic comedy trope expectations so like i came out of it liking like i don't like how the relationship progressed and it was kind of fun and cute and like the little moments of them on like on the couch while they were just doing whatever like there were like little moments throughout their their relationship that that got to me as like oh like this like it, it felt real it felt authentic like you know like a couple would do that kind of stuff and i liked how they kept saying you know like i mean they this is probably, but like their little banter about like, oh, we're never going to see each other again, and then we, then they do. So it's like, I don't know, it's like flirty, like non-committal stuff, and then yeah. they, and then I, I mean, and then it, it takes it, and then it becomes different, you know, because she gets sick and it, the drama kicks in, and he has to like I, deal with everything. Yeah, I think that just speaks honestly, to just the fact that HT and I love rom-coms, like, so much, is that, like, I, like, you're all that, all that stuff you're saying is good, and it was good in the movie, and I, like, I like the banter, but, like, it was just banter. It was, like, just flirting. There was no, like, lock eyes across the room, or, like, something happens that your heart gets a little, It's not. You know. the I got moment, that at the, it's not the, moment the of, yeah. It's not the moment of escape, that rom-coms offer. So what you're saying is that everything is really real and very... That's not what a rom-com is. Yeah, that's not what a rom-com is. Even though, like, rom-coms are, you know, somewhat based in reality, 
they the feeling of falling in love and that feeling of just like butterflies is almost like a fantasy <laughs> and that's what and it doesn't have to be like a whole fantasy it's just like i just want one little moment where i'm like oh my heart skips a beat yeah yeah like you know what I mean? okay yeah. ht you saw bridget jones's baby that was me the entire time at like the baby christening where like bridget <laughs> and mark like reunited finally and like the like looks across the room and like when he finally kisses her again and, like, tells her he's getting a divorce, I was, like, literally, I was, like, just, yeah, my heart was the, gonna come out of my chest. The party, when they're, like, the, after the party, right? When yeah. They're all, they're both kind of drunk and vulnerable, and I was like, oh, man. Man, like, like, my like son was doing somersaults. <laughs> and, like, that's just what I was missing in this. And I think that's, like, it wasn't trying to do those things, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I just wanted it to. So you're having the same feelings about the big stick that I had about Free Fire. Yeah, a little where bit. Where it was yep. doing something different than you were expecting, and it kind of tampered your expectations of the movie. But I think you liked the movie more than I liked Free Fire. <laughs> yes, probably. Yeah. yeah, probably. I Yeah. Yeah, it's still one of the best movies of the year so far, so... But I guess I guess you're judging you're judging judging it on two levels as a movie and then as a rom com. And I think exactly. that's it. As a movie, it would get a higher grade from me than as a rom com. So now we have to kind of figure out how we're judging this movie. I'll have to just like combine my scores and do my own average. All right, let's break down our big sick review by our usual little structures. So first we do uh, character um, structure. And then themes, correct? I always forget. Yeah, yeah, it's whatever. Something like that. Character and conflict, or character whatever. Character conflict. Know. That whole shebang. All right, let's go with characters first. Uh, for this one, I was actually quite impressed because, uh, especially for uh, Zoe Kazan's character, for Emily, they could have been in big danger of just fridging her. I mean, they kind of literally did, but she was a fully fleshed character throughout, even when she was, you know, in a coma for the majority of the movie, which I liked. She was all, she always felt like she had her own conflicts, had her own, um, agenda and her own motives. Completely agreed. Kind of like well, ulterior, not motives, but, but yeah. like agency. I agency. Guess. Yes. That's what yeah. I meant to say. And I liked, I liked that they never turned her into a manic pixie dream girl, mm-hmm. which Zoe Kazan has played in the past. Yes. Um, so I think it's always I, important to remember that they're based on real people in this kind of story. Yeah. So it's and I I think that helped with characterization because there was a real person to base her character off of, um, and they pretty much did that. Um, and but like I think that she brought across her, in her acting a good authenticity of characterization, um, and 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 I think what helped is her parents. Like, her parents gave her a lot of depth when she was in the coma. Like, you could, you know, you are informed a lot about her that you may, like, about her past that you may not have known because of, like, or, like, you can tell, like, how she became her because of the way her parents are. Yeah, I think her parents were the standouts in the film, to be honest. Oh, definitely. I feel like, honestly, the love story between her parents and Kumail is, like, the the real heart of the film. That was, those were the parts where I got a, almost heart-fluttering moments. Same, like the part same. where he was getting harassed on stage. Yes, and Holly Hunter, um, like, went to defense. And Holly defense. Hunter steps up, and I was like, that was a moment that made my heart sore. I was like, yes. Yeah. Holly Hunter, by the way, is 
a great actress that we need to appreciate more. And I love her in this movie so much. Completely agreed. I like the the scene where they're both at her, at uh, the laptop, uh, Kamal and uh, Holly Hunter, and they're just like talking and get and getting to know each other more, and and Kamal's getting to know Emily more, and you know, and you, just, you there's so many like subtle like characterizations going on there, and you know from the very first time they meet, and she's like, "We know who you are, Kamal," because they had just broken up. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he, you know, I guess he was her emergency contact or somewhat, like, you know, or no, he had to come because her friend had to leave. Mm -hmm. And so he stayed, and then her parents showed up, and then he just, he kind of, like, nevertheless, he persisted in getting to, like, stay there and be there and keeping up with whatever the doctors are saying, and just through osmosis, they got to know each other. Yeah, and I like that her parents got their own little, like, mini arc as well in the film. Um, when you, like, find out that he had had, he had cheated on her. Um, and that scene in the apartment where she, basically, uh, they end up, like, sharing a bed again. For the, like, the first time yeah, in a while, it, it's implied. And I thought that was really nice. I thought it was very well done. In that, like, it only needed a few lines, a few moments for us to kind of, like, get the story. Agreed. Um, so what do you think of the fact that uh, it was Emily's parents that we saw the majority of and that were the most fleshed out, but uh, Kumail's, Kumail's parents were kind of almost flat caricatures? Do you think they were? I do a little bit, yeah. And I would say this is one of those things that kind of tampered my expectations was I had read um, a criticism of the film before I saw the film. And I'm really glad I did, because it gave me a lot to think about in the film that I think, frankly, as a white person, I would not have thought of necessarily when I watched the film, of, like, how the film treats Pakistani culture and also Pakistani women in the film, and how you look at how they're treated um, in this film or in a show like Master of None, as opposed to, like, how they're treated in something like Bend It Like Beckham. And... It's definitely, you know, it's definitely an issue, I would say. Yeah. It's definitely lacking, but it does sort of, it's mostly there to support Kumail's story and his arc and his sort of, um, his sort of place as a person who is of Southeast Asian, um, ethnicity and who is also an American citizen. I think he's an American citizen, but like basically the tugging of the two cultures, um, which I think that uh, the big sick really does deal with well, despite its sort of flatness with the actual uh, Pakistani culture that Kumail deals with. But mostly that's just because it's coming from his perspective. So what Anya is talking about is the criticisms that have been levied against the big sick about how it's just sort of pushing away um Kumail's Pakistani culture and Muslim culture in favor of chasing, like, this white American dream. Um, And it's true to, like, his arc and, like, his story. Like, that is what he's been trying to consolidate with his entire life. And, you know, he has sort of been raised with the idea of the American dream and of making choices, whereas, you know, his parents are very traditional and want him to have an, um, an arranged marriage. And, like, 
it works for some people. It's not a bad thing, but this was his story. Uh, I don't really think that the criticism against the big sick are very warranted because it is a true story. I do think it's more relevant with Master of None, um, where Aziz Ansari is frequently pairing himself with white girls or... um, and rarely with people of color, although he does tell stories of people of color too. But it's mostly like a lot of Pakistani, East, um, Asian women, Southeast Asian women um, are concerned that they're not getting fair portrayals in the media. I actually, I've had a conversation with Anya about this. Uh, this is kind of going more into topic of the theme, but we're just going to be bouncing around. So I don't mind it so much with the big sick, like I said before. And I think that it's commendable that Aziz and Kumail are both making these projects and are huge, you know, powers and creative forces in these projects. But, you know, they have to make their own compromises. And it is their own stories. And I think that it's noteworthy to say that, like, to to note that, you know, these are the first Asian-led projects that we're seeing in the cinema or in the TV screen. And, of course, they're not going to represent everyone. So as they keep coming along, we'll see more stories that represent more people. That's my argument. I, yeah, I just I do, think I, I think there's kind of an, another layer of sexism, though, because you look at someone like Mindy Kaling, mm-hmm. who and her show came before either of these men, and exactly. she received a lot of criticism in a much more in a much more public and vocal way, I suppose, than either mm-hmm. Aziz or Kumail have been receiving. And so I think the criticisms and expectations uh, placed on them as opposed to her are just unfair. I think so, too, yeah. I think these issues are important to address and, like, to make note of, but I think for, like, for future projects rather than just trying to take down the ones that are out now. Because I do want to talk about... I'm going to move into, like, the themes and, like, the overall relevance of this movie... The fact that this is a movie with an interracial interracial relationship with an Asian male lead, which is so exciting, and it is a moment of representation for me. I know that, like, I'm an Asian woman, Asian American woman, so I'm not seeing myself on screen particularly well, especially, like, the scene where he, like, burns the pictures of the Pakistani women that he's, been arranged with, which is kind of weird, but, you know, it's, it's his movie. But it is really exciting seeing the culture, a culture like Pakistani Americans, which are somewhat similar to Asian, to Vietnamese Americans like me, uh, on the big screen. Mm -hmm. And in that fashion, that's like authentic to my experience, at least, as like someone who's kind of torn between two cultures. Uh, It's really exciting for me. And I don't want to like, you know, I know the criticisms criticisms are relevant, but I don't want that to take away from just like the joy I have of seeing an Asian lead in a big movie role, you know? Well, I think as we've discussed before, humans are complex enough to both criticize and appreciate and enjoy all at the same time. And that's what I think is, like, great, is I think you can have these criticisms while also still acknowledging that it's a really great film and it is Mm -hmm. a step forward for representation, maybe not in every way, but in some ways. Yes. It opens discussion, which is always good. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so we kind of went off topic, uh, with, kind of went off with the themes. Uh, we didn't really talk about Kumail's character, um, but 
I, I mean, I think he he did. The character's great. He's great. Um, he goes through a good arc. You know, I think the moment where he's on stage, basically expressing his love for Emily while he's like bombing on the biggest you know com- comedy gig that he's he's ever had. I think that was a a, a great moment because it's like you can you can see the humanity on his face. You can see, like you know his voice is trembling. And he's talking about very real things that happened to him. Like, I mean, like, this isn't an actor portraying Kumail. It's Kumail portraying himself. So, like, he's reliving his own experiences dealing with what happened. And, you know, I think you have to give him credit for, like, really kind of, you know, giving an authentic performance to something that actually happens. Like, you know, it's almost it's not a documentary but it's very almost like in that in that scene when he's delivering his monologue about how much he loves her it's very much like almost like a moment in a documentary when it when that would happen and mm-hmm. i thought that was a very beautiful moment interestingly my favorite camille moments were actually with his own family like i really love the moments in the apartment where his parents come and confront him um and Oh, that was a great scene. And they kind of disown him, basically. And then I really love after that when he goes back to the house and he sits down and he's like, I'm part of this family, whether you like it or not. And he has, like, the note cards. Oh, yeah. Those were great moments. I thought those were, like, his best moments and his best performances in the film. Um, I really liked his relationship, like I said, with Holly Hunter and Romano a lot. But, like, I thought those were the two moments where he really shined. Those are very great. Those are very, like, fun and also cutting at the same time. Yeah. I have nothing else to add then, other than what you guys said, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there aren't any other other relevant characters. All the supporting characters are kind of flat as well. Like, the stand-ups... The, the, the yeah. comics. I mean, I gotta say, Bo Burnham and A.D. Bryant were pretty hilarious. They were. Actually, I'm really happy to see Bo in another, um, yes. in a movie... I actually I interviewed him back in college for a a story for his it was his album that was released then. Um, That's right. That was like six years ago, seven yeah. years That's ago. Awesome! That's I love he's Bo really Burnham. Friendly. Yeah, he's really fun. He's exactly like his persona on YouTube. That's so. amazing. Very like biting and charming. So yeah. it was interesting to see him play like a like not a super meta person. Mm-hmm. Like he was like a normal dude. <laughs> yeah. That's true. It was very laid back for him. All right. Um, so we talked a little bit about theme. Let's talk about the structure of the movie. Uh, it was pretty standard. I don't really have much to say or, or like any criticisms about it. Uh, I have heard people being like surprised that like so much of the movie was spent with Emily in the coma and him with her parents, mm-hmm. um, which you know makes it sort of less of that rom com because it's. They really can't really explore the relationship as much, um, yeah, except for family through drama. her parents, which, as Willoughby explained, mm. like did let you get to know Emily more and let Kumail get to know Emily more, which was nice. Um, mm. But I mean, I really love them, so like I don't really mind. Um, I have a quick question that has less to do about structure, but just where do you guys fall? So before the movie came out, I would like talk about the movie and I'd be like, yeah, and like you know, Emily's talked about like being in the coma and stuff, and people would like freak out and be like, what? Like, she's in a coma? Or, like, I would mention that, like, she wakes up, and they'd be like, what? Like, spoiler alert! Um, 
And I'm always like, it's a true story. Like, it's not a spoiler. Sorry. Like, I don't care. <laughs> and I'm wondering yeah. where you guys fall on this, because, like, I would just be like, yeah, she's in a coma. She wakes up. Like, they're married in real life right now. They wrote the movie together. But people are like, I don't know. I didn't know that. I didn't know, like, they're real. And I was like, I don't care. Do your research. Yeah, I don't really sympathize with those people because, it, I don't know, maybe it's not obviously a true story, but, uh, yeah, I have no, I I come, with it, I come in with those expectations of it, so why shouldn't they if, you know, if they didn't know before? It's a true story, so it's out in the public, yeah, public domain. Like, everybody can go to google.com, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sort of just kind of like, be like, what Google was the big sick based on a true story. Like, I, it, I guess it depends on if people really just want to be surprised in the movie theater. And well, that, but like, it's, I mean, surprised might be not, not the great, the best word, but like, you know, not go in with expectations, like expectations or, you know, I, I know people who don't see trailers and then they go see the movies. And so there's moments that are in those trailers that they weren't spoiled for. And they're, you know, like, I don't know. It just seems, I mean, it's based on a true story. So like, it's one of those moments where you're kind of like, well, you know, Can't help in, you the there. End, in the end, Lincoln did free the slaves. Like, it's like, you know, there's a lot to biopics or whatever, you know, tr- based on true stories, even if they take a lot. Of, I mean, this movie obviously isn't fact to fact to fact to fact. Also, it was there's advertised a as a romantic taken. comedy. Obviously, she's going to wake up. Like, right, and if you see, and like I don't know, it just doesn't take like, away from the emotional impact of the movie. Exactly, either. it's like it's the journey, not the destination, sort of thing. Yeah, and like this isn't a movie that hinges on spoilers or anything either. Yeah, because like if you think about it, at the very end of the movie, that's the moment when they like those last two shots are when they get when they like really get back together. Mm-hmm. You know, like after she comes out of the coma, she's not like she's not. Snow White, and immediately she's in love with Prince Charming. Like, it takes a while for her to be, like, comfortable with him. Because, to her mind, they were broken up for a couple weeks. And to him, he's he fell more in love. So, like, it was an, it, a, a weird, like, mountain and valley. Like, they had to come back to the to sea level. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that... I, I mean, the, those last moments were... Those last moments were the moments that gave me, you know, like, butterflies in my stomach. I was like, oh, they're in love. That's great. Um, and then, like, I like the credits where they were showing, like, real-life wedding pictures. Like, I don't know. It just seems like if you're thinking this movie is going to be, oh, is she going to live? Like, that's not the movie they're telling. Well said, Willoughby. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to say about themes? I liked the push and pull that... Kumail had was dealing with like of his um of his culture versus American culture I thought uh he did that was portrayed well like I liked his like he had a lot of good conflict mm-hmm. within like a lot of inner co- conflict and like re- realizing that you know there are parts of his culture that he just doesn't participate in like praying for my mo- like he's he doesn't do it, and you can you can tell that you know like 
I mean, from any religious, if you're if you're from a religious family and you are not religious, those moments are awkward, mm-hmm. and you're like, you kind of have to either fake it till you make it or deal with it head on. And I liked how he did that, um, and I liked you know when he's like. Well, he was at like the drive-through, and he gets out of his car, and he goes up to the dude. He's like, "No, I want one ch- cheeseburger with four slices of yeah. cheese," and he like throws out the trash can. Like, there were a lot of great moments, a lot of little moments in mm-hmm. this movie um, that made up a bigger, yeah, a bigger movie. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I, you know, it was fun. A lot of people, um, yeah. No, I don't know what I was gonna say. Uh, I liked it. Yeah. Any last thoughts, Anya? Uh, no, I think I am good. I really liked the one shout-out to Hugh Grant. I also really like yes. that Kumail has since met Hugh Grant in real life. That makes me very happy. That was so cute. They posted a picture on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I really like The Big Sick, even though I wish it had more moments of uh, cheesy romantic comedy goodness and uh, fuller, less punchline portrayals of Pakistani and Asian women. Uh, But I think it was a really authentic and genuine story that was heartwarming and funny and didn't emotionally manipulate with its sickness uh, storyline as a lot of those kind of films tend to do. I, I mean, there was a lot of sadness and a lot of, like, for her parents, there was a lot of, like, you know, this is this is their child. She's in a coma. Like that's a, not a normal thing. Mm-hmm. So like, I liked those little bits of realness of like, of actual like, what's gonna happen, but you, you it never steered too far into that. And I liked that. You yeah. know, they kind of they knew what movie they were making. They weren't, you know, like we talk a lot about tone in these reviews of movies, and I think that this had a good consistent tone. Agree. I agree. So. Out of five stars, what would you rate it? Willoughby. I'll rate it four. Four out of five. I'll also rate it four out of five. I will rate it 3.5. All right. So, the Millennial Falcon gives the big sick 3.8 out of five stars. And let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. I missed a really there, so it's kind of awkward. That's alright. I'm sure Carly will forgive you. <laughs> Anya, what do you really like this week? Alright. Pretty sure I haven't had this in a really like yet. I really like TNT's new summer show, Will. <laughs> it's so great. It is the trash Shakespeare show that I wanted, and I'm so happy with it. I was a little unsure after the first episode. Um, I, like, wanted to like it, but I wasn't sure. I'm now three episodes in. I haven't seen last or uh, this week's yet. But I love it. It's so much fun. It's indulgent, and it's sexy, and it's anachronistic, and... But it's thoroughly well-researched in its anachronism. It's so great, because, like, it's like a whole punk rock take on Shakespeare. So, like, people have blue mohawks, and there's a lot of leather, and the music is all anachronistic. Um, and it's so it's nice so tale. much fun. Yeah, and I really like anachronism in period pieces, as long as it's 
consistent and makes sense. Like, you have to justify why your film is anachronistic to me, um, and this show really does. And it plays around with the fact that William Shakespeare created a lot of made-up words that we now use in our everyday life. And, like I said, it does its research. Like, they have historians working on the show. So you have real figures in the show, but, like, they kind of change up the roles, and they have created new drama, and it's just so much fun. But, like, more than anything else, you guys, Christopher Marlowe is in the show. I love Christopher Marlowe a lot, and they made him queer in this show. Like, he was in real life, and it's amazing, and I can't get enough of it, and I need more, and this is, like, the first time a Shakespeare thing has had so much, like, gay in it. And I'm so happy, because the fact that people have not put a lot of gay in their Shakespeare is a crime, and also just makes no sense, because Shakespeare was super gay. And so I'm just so happy. Or at least super bi. Super bi. Yeah. I'm saying gay in, like, the colloquial, like, Overarching. the gays. Mm-hmm. Us. We're so great. Um, <laughs> and so I'm just so excited that they've made it explicit. Um, and I really hope they make Shakespeare by in the show. So far, we've only seen him have an interest in women, but I'm hoping that will change. He and Marlo have had a kiss. Spoiler alert, but Shakespeare pulled away. So, <laughs> Marlo initiated it. Wow. It's so great, guys. <sighs> so much queer in my Shakespeare. I'm so happy. That's what I really like. It sounds very... It sounds very on-brand for you. As soon as you're like, anachronistic, punk rock Will Shakespeare, William Shakespeare, I was like, wow. That's Anya in a nutshell. I mean, that's also kind of who Shakespeare was in a nutshell. In real life, so. That's true. Digging it. Awesome. So, Willoughby, what is your really like for this week? Yeah, so, uh, my really like is actually Anya's really like from last week. It's, uh, Johnny Sun's new book, uh, Everyone's an alien when you're an alien too. Uh, misspelled horribly, uh, and I and that's part of the the fun cuteness of the whole book is that there's a lot of misspellings going on. Um, I cried three times while reading this graphic novel, and it only took like a sentence to do it, like each time. Like the author who's very famous on Twitter for being, like, very funny and, like, tells these, like, short, like, little, like, stories and speeches, like, little, like, dialogues. Uh, And they're always very funny and very clever and very witty. Um, He takes... There's so much heart and love of humanity in this graphic novel and says it with with only... It's in black and white. It's very uh, minimalistically drawn, and the sentences aren't long, but it has more emotion and depth than, like, so many more stories that are about the same things. Like, uh, it's all about friendship and loss and, like, happiness and what it truly means to be happy. And a lot of, a lot of like, what Inside Out was about is kind of also in this like happiness and sadness and how you can't have one without the other and I liked that I liked just this is the whole thing like it was so well well crafted um and uh made me super emotional on a Sunday night and uh I blame you for that Anya well you are very welcome I'm glad I mean it's so beautiful so I'm really glad that you liked it oh yeah yes I picked it up uh 
yeah, I, I picked it up right after you, we recorded last week's episode and uh, went to Barnes & Noble and just picked it up. I also, oh, I also bought Wrinkle in Time HT. Yay! So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that at some point. Good. So now uh, you got to read that and reading. HT has to read Everyone's an Alien. And you have to read Wrinkle in Time too, on I you? do. That's true. It's a short read, I promise. Yeah, it's not long. I looked at it. I was like, this is shorter I mean, it than is I remember. Book, right? I, tr- mm-hmm. I tried reading it when I was a kid, but it was went over my head way too much. It's okay. kind of abstract, I think. That's why. So, All right, HD. Do you know the sign in the office that marks X days since our last nonsense? Oh, I'm very familiar with that. Yeah, you guys use it with me with Dan Stevens a lot, so. Well, What's yours, for HD? Anya, it's Dan Stevens with me. Replace nonsense with K-pop. Real. How many days has it been since I've... Uh, well, how many episodes has it been since I've mentioned K-pop? It's been a while, actually. Yeah. I'd, say, I'd, get, I'd give it six. I'd give it six or seven. I'd say longer than that. It's been, it's been several months now. Wow. Anyways, guess who I got to see in concert in New York Thursday night? Who? Who? G Dragon, the uh, the leader and rapper producer of Big Bang, love of my life, oh, and the band who gosh. I went to Japan to see. I didn't go to Japan to see them, but I, was gonna say, I just happened didn't to, go see to, Japan. Japan to see them. Yeah, just happened to. Uh, it was a great concert. I cried from the spectacle and the emotion. There was a lot of brightness going on, and uh, it was just. It was everything I anticipated more. I really loved his last album, which surprisingly I don't think I talked about here. Maybe <gasps> I did. I don't remember. Yeah, his you last mad? album he released a couple months ago. It was called Kwon Jiang, which is his real Korean name because G Dragon, as you can tell, is a pseudonym. Um, so Kwon Jiang is actually the reason he picked G Dragon is because his last name Kwon means dragon. And the first part of his name, Jiang, G, so G, Dragon. It's not just because of a random anime character that he loves. So, because it's his real name, the whole album is very personal. Personal. It tells kind of his ascent into, into stardom and the loneliness he feels at the top. So it's very raw, very real, also very trappy. It's presently a lot of trap, a lot of dark R&B. I'm digging it. I like it a lot so far, and he performed all of it at his concert. And a lot of his great hits, too, so it was lit. The fashion was great. Uh, I was worried for his health for a little bit because he was really skinny for a while. I could see his ribs, but he looks like he's back in shape and he's healthy. And he was just giving it his all, so I was so happy to see him in concert. Yay! And I, I had my little Big Bang stick I, that amazing. I bought. It's a light stick, so it has, like, a little, little logo with the crown because that's, like, their symbol. That's awesome. I bought it in Japan, and I brought it with me to New York. And uh, it was it was a momentous experience. Also, it was a fun time in New York, which I spent, like, four days in. So Yay! Yeah. That's awesome, HD. Thanks, guys. All right. So, yeah. Zero days since the last K-pop. It's been a little while for me for Dan, Dan Stevens. I won't say Stan Stevens. Damn it, Willoughby. <laughs> um, Dan Stevens, but I'll have to change that soon then. What's my nonsense? Star Wars? 
such a cliche. I mean, no such thing. It's probably on the money with what you love. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up our episode. If you guys have any thoughts on the big sick or K-pop and concerts you've gone to or new books like A Wrinkle in Time or Everyone's an Alien or TNT's summer show will definitely come chat with us. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. You can search for us on SoundCloud, where, we're, where you can listen to us there. We're also on iTunes and Google Play, where you can rate, review, and subscribe to us there. And um, where can I find you guys on the internet? You can find me at hchanbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye.